When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. I filter through the garbage, the media hype, the lies, and take you directly to the truth. This is my recipe for thought gumbo. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. Good morning, everybody. It is the 22nd day of January, 2021. This is the Truth Hurts program. A lot of what I say today will not be pleasant for you to hear, but it is the truth. And as we say in the title, sometimes the truth hurts. We'll be back to talk about the troops. But first, let's step inside the Capitol parking garage and meet with our United States... National Guard troops. On patrol with the National Guard in Washington, D.C. Say what up, man, Bootsy? Bootsy? Who you be calling Bootsy? My name Lance Corporal Brownell Jackson, you heard? Oh, yeah, sorry, Bootsy. I mean Corporal Jackson. My bad. Look, bro, you got to call me by my government name while we out here on this mission, you heard? Yeah, man, sorry, I forgot. Anyway, Corporal Jackson, why the hell we still out here? They ain't getting no violence and no inauguration. Why the hell we still out here on this cold floor? I don't know, Private. They don't tell me nothing. I asked the sergeant, but he said he didn't know nothing. Neither, you heard? Damn, it's cold out here on the floor, you heard? How much longer we got to stay out here in this garage, man? They didn't tell me that neither, Private Williams. Now go hang out with them other dudes and leave me be. Yo, why we had to move from this nice warm building inside by the cafeteria and now we out here in the parking lot in the cold? Man, we just do what they tells us to do, you heard? That's why. Man, I just want to know why we even still out here. Don't make no sense, man. There wasn't no riot. There wasn't no protest. There wasn't no violence. Private Williams, get your ass back on that cold-ass floor and be quiet. Okay, Bootsy. Bruh! I'm sorry. Okay, Lance Copper Jackson. Man, get out of here with that mess, dude. Well, the private and the Lance Corporal will be happy to know that National Guard troops were allowed back into the Capitol building to rest after being told to move out into the cold and into the unheated parking garage to allow people of privilege to come back inside. After all, they took the time with all of their photo ops, the senators, the congressmen, and all those other folks, they took the time taking photos with the troops so that they could look like they give a damn when we all know they don't. A request to move those troops out of the Senate cafeteria to the parking garage was met with lots and lots of negative commentary, even in the media. Senators expressed outrage Thursday evening after Politico reported that the Capitol Police had ordered the troops to move their rest area and ended up putting some of them out in a cold, drafty, damp parking garage. Senator Tammy Duckworth, a Democrat of Illinois, said that by 10.30 p.m., Capitol Police 
went out and apologized to the National Guard personnel, and they were allowed back into the heated complex Thursday night. Brigadier General of the Army Janine Burkhead said, the troops were out of the parking garage and back into the Capitol, and they will take their breaks near Emancipation Hall going forward. General Duckworth is the commander of the Inauguration Task Force. She's an Iraq war veteran, and she lost her legs when the helicopter she was piloting got hit by a rocket-propelled grenade, and she crashed in 2004, saying that forcing the troops out of the capital was unreal. She wrote in a tweet, I can't believe the same brave service members we've been asking to protect our capital and our constitution over these last two weeks would be unceremoniously ordered to vacate the building. Thousands of guard troops remain in Washington, D.C. for some strange reason after being called in to secure the presidential inauguration, supposedly in response to a deadly riot that occurred at the Capitol on January 6th. At least that's the way MSNBC writes it. The deadly riot would not have been deadly had the cowardly Capitol Police officer not shot and killed an unarmed woman named Ashley Barrett, a veteran herself, unarmed, didn't even have a cell phone in her hand, murdered in cold blood thanks to the made-up, grossly exaggerated, highly overstated so-called riot, where a few people were actually let into the Capitol by Capitol Police, and they turned over a couple of file cabinets and desks they scattered some paperwork on the floor, and one guy sat in the chair of nasty Nancy Pelosi. I would highly recommend that guy disinfect his ass. Yeah. Yes, the riot by a very few insurrectionists, both Antifa and BLM members, along with a few very diehard Trump supporters, got into the Capitol building and scattered some papers around. The Washington, D.C. National Guard said Thursday that they were asked to move their rest area by the Capitol Police instead of being ordered to do so. Unbelievable. As Congress is in session and increased foot traffic and business is being conducted, Capitol Police asked the troops to move their rest area. They were temporarily relocated to the Thurgood Marshall Judicial Center garage with heat and restroom facilities, the D.C. Guard said. Several members of the National Guard said there was no heat at all except in the elevators. And after all, they couldn't go in the elevators. And there was one restroom, one restroom and one electrical outlet, according to the D.C. Guard. The guard said, we remain an agile and flexible force to provide for the safety and security of the capital and its surrounding areas. But there's no need, there's no reason, there's no justification, because there is no violence, there are no protests, there are no riots. Perhaps the National Guard should consider going to Portland and to Seattle, where federal buildings are being attacked and burned and looted and vandalized and graffitied. Just a thought. 
Security detail for the guard requires a rest break so that troops can get out of the weather. After all, they're outside, standing guard over protests that don't exist, riots that never materialized, insurrection that simply is not there. They're just standing out there, in the cold, in the rain, in the sleet, in the wind, in the snow, in their uniforms, scratching their heads and wondering why the hell they're there. Capitol Police did not immediately respond to a request for comment after senators said the situation had been resolved and an apology had been issued. Some lawmakers had even offered to let troops stay in their office spaces. Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican from Arkansas who was also a veteran and also served in Iraq and Afghanistan, wrote, quote, Congress is in session, but buildings are still closed to the public. So there is plenty of room for the troops to take a break in those offices. In the days following the riot and preceding the inauguration, troops were seen resting between shifts on the marble floors of the heated Capitol building. National Guard troops from across the country were sent to Washington, D.C. 26,000 Guard troops went to protect the inauguration where fewer than 500 people were in attendance. Man, how would you like to have five or six armed guards for each and every one of your family members? You're going to the store? Okay, troops, I'll take six guardsmen with M16 rifles. Make sure I don't get carjacked. We, the people, we do not get that luxury. Senators, congressmen, people who want to tear down walls and remove guns from everybody, they get protected with 10 and 12 foot high metal steel fences and armed guards. That's the difference between the leaders and the sheeple. About 10,600 were on duty Thursday afternoon. Arrangements are currently in progress to send about 15,000 troops home according to the National Guard Bureau, quote, as soon as possible, unquote. A giant waste of your tax dollars for sure, boys and girls. With no doubt in my mind, it was all done as a political stunt to make you believe there was going to be some horrible insurrection. Costs lots and lots of money for the fuel necessary to send those troops to Washington, D.C., and it's going to cost a hell of a lot more to send them home. Your new resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, mopey, dopey, little girl gropey, President Joe Biden, has signed executive orders out the wazoo after he spent four years bitching about Donald Trump signing executive orders this clown did the same exact thing, except his are far more damaging to the nation. If you all don't know, this program originates from Bayou Country in South Louisiana with close ties to Texas. We supply most of the crude oil, the natural gas, and the refining capacity which allows you to drive your automobile, your pickup truck, your minivan, your SUV, your motorcycle, your ATV, your 
gas-powered golf cart, your boat, your lawnmower. Gropey Joe Biden signed an executive order yesterday putting an immediate halt to all drilling in the Alaska National Wildlife Refuge waters and in the Gulf of Mexico. That's right. The man who wants to unite the nation, the man who wants to bring back the economy, did two very dastardly deeds yesterday. He canceled the Keystone Energy Pipeline construction contracts and permit immediately. That is going to put about 20,000 people out of work just on the pipeline project alone. But it doesn't matter. They get to go on government assistance, right? Unemployment. Yay! Give more money away. Give more government tax dollars away. Yay! It's a program to help people. The money that they'll be getting from unemployment will just not even come close to what they make as welders, machinists, and pipe fitters along the Keystone Pipeline project. That's just the direct jobs, people. Direct 20,000 losses of jobs with the stroke of a pen. It doesn't also represent the probably hundred or so thousand of ancillary auxiliary jobs. You know, the food trucks that go out to the pipeline sites every day and feed those guys out there working. Or the welding supply company that provides the welding rods and the oxygen and acetylene for the torches. Or the tire companies that sell tires to the guys out there with their welding rigs on trucks that have flat tires. Or the gas stations that supply fuel to those trucks. And all of the restaurants and all of the grocery stores and all of the RV parks. Joe Biden doesn't give a damn about them. He's never in his life been out to see a massive construction project. How could he do so? He's been hiding in his basement. And now he's hiding in the Oval Office with a team of puppet masters pulling his strings. They set dozens of executive orders in front of him yesterday and the day before and said, Okay, Mr. President, sign right here on this line. Uh, what the hell am I signing? What, what am I signing here? Just, just do it. Just do it, Mr. President. We got you into power, remember? You're going to do exactly what we say. Uh, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, you got me in this job as senator. Uh, president. Uh, yeah, 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 president. The loss of jobs in the Gulf of Mexico with offshore drilling and all drilling on federal lands now being ceased by the stroke of his mighty pen will cost hundreds of thousands of jobs in direct oil field related drilling, transportation, engineering, mechanical, architectural jobs out the window and all of the auxiliary and ancillary jobs that go along with it. All of those drillers, those drill bosses, those deckhands, those roustabouts, those motormen, gone. Their jobs, that is. All of those auxiliary jobs, towboat transport drivers, barge and tugboat operators, equipment haulers, truck drivers, hotshot drivers, geologists. Doesn't matter. Joe Biden doesn't like oil because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez told him 
he doesn't like oil. I don't think he knows whether he likes it or not. He just does what he's told. All of the delis and food trucks, restaurants, and grocery stores, all of those offshore supply companies, drilling pipe manufacturers, all of their jobs are gone at the stroke of a pen. It doesn't matter. Biden will never admit that it is his executive actions that will cause these massive job losses, not to mention the losses in the refineries, and, of course, the much, much, much higher price that you and I will pay for gasoline, for diesel, for natural gas, for all petrochemical-made products, the housing for this microphone, the plastic control knobs on the mixing board here at the studio, the tires on your car, your Tupperware. All of that is oil and gas related, but because he doesn't have the mentality to understand that in his feeble mental state, Joe Biden will continue to sign executive orders and put more and more and more Americans out of work. He doesn't even realize what he's doing. Steve Zee and the Truth Hurts Program. According to an article in the New York Slimes today, January 22nd, Coral Davenport wrote, President Biden, vowing to restore environmental protections frayed over the past four years, has ordered a review of more than 100 rules and regulations on air, water, public lands, endangered species, and man-caused climate change that were either weakened or rolled back by Donald Trump. Legal experts warn it could take two to three years, in some cases, most of Biden's first term, to put many of the old rules back in place. Kevin Minoli is an attorney at the Environmental Protection Agency during the Clinton, Bush, and Obama and Trump administrations. What a storied career, right? He said, people should temper their expectations about what can be done quickly. It's very possible, more possible than not, that some of the Trump rules will still be in effect for at least a couple of years. Mr. Biden, according to this article, has an array of legal tools to reinstate environmental protections that were dismantled by the Trump administration. Gina McCarthy, his top domestic climate change advisor during the Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama administration, served as the chief author of some of the nation's most comprehensive climate change rules, and she's now reviewed every possible option to restore the protections, according to a White House official familiar with her thinking. But that person was, of course, not authorized to speak on the record. Tools take time. Experts in environmental law who have spoken with top Biden administration officials said the process of rolling back Trump-era rollbacks would likely fall into a few broad categories. In a limited set of cases, Mr. Biden would be able to use the pen, the executive authority, immediately, for instance, to cancel individual fossil fuel infrastructure projects or reinstate federal protections on distinct areas of land and water. He did that on day one when he rescinded the construction permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, which would have carried oil from Canadian oil sands across the American Midwest to refineries in the South in places like Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. Keeping your gas and oil prices low 
But keeping your gas and oil prices low is not a top priority for Mr. Biden. He's expected in the first months of his term to restore protections around two national monuments in Utah and once again cancel the economy and the economic benefits that Mr. Trump afforded by allowing some mining, logging, and drilling within the two million acres of land that are basically just sitting there producing nothing. You might recall that Donald Trump went ahead and allowed some oil drilling to occur in Alaska. In the last few days of the Trump administration, the Department of the Interior auctioned off oil and gas drilling leases in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. The Biden administration very quickly acted to cancel those leases. Now think of all the money that was spent by lawyers on both sides trying to put together the monetary side of things that would put money into the U.S. Treasury in the form of lease payments. All of those man hours by lawyers and their staffers, energy experts, geologists, so that these companies could lease a little bit of land to drill for oil to help keep America energy independent. And with a stroke of his pen, the executive order by gropey Joe Biden, your president, he can cancel that, and he has. So, to hell with all the money you spent, companies. You're evil anyway. I don't like you very much. Biden's team is also looking to Congress, where Democrats could potentially use their razor-thin House of Representatives margin and their literally, I still don't see it, Senate majority, to revoke some of Trump administration's last-minute regulatory rollbacks. Under the Congressional Review Act, any regulation finalized within 60 legislative days of the end of a presidential term can be simply wiped away with a simple congressional majority vote. Legal experts have warned Democrats that if they use that law to undo environmental policies, it could backfire. Once Congress has used it to wipe out a regulation, the administration is legally barred from enacting a similar rule. The twist would bar the Biden administration from replacing a weak Trump-era rule with a similar but more stringent one. Hannah Vizcara is a staff attorney at Harvard's Law School Environment and Energy Law Program, which closely studied the Trump administration's environmental rollbacks. She said, they don't want to create roadblocks to creating future regulations, speaking about the Democrat Congress. She cited just one rollback as a good candidate for rapid reversal under the Congressional Review Act, a January Donald Trump rule that was put into place that reduced protections for migratory birds by ending penalties for energy and construction companies that harm the birds and their habitats in construction projects and oil spills. The work to reinstate the federal government's much more comprehensive and strict regulations on air, water, and man-caused climate pollution will take much longer than the stroke of a Biden pen. The key reason, according to legal experts, when the Trump administration rolled back the rules, they almost never eliminated them entirely. They replaced strict federal pollution regulations with weaker 
pollution regulations. <laughs> Evil Donald Trump, right? The Biden administration will seek to legally undo those weak regulations and replace them with much tougher ones. The legal process typically takes two or more years. For example, under Trump, the EPA undid the Obama administration's single largest policy that was aimed at curbing so-called climate change. That rule forced automakers to rapidly increase the fuel economy of passenger vehicles and in doing so, drastically lowered their air pollution of heat-trapping carbon dioxide pollution in the process. To do that, the EPA had to follow a long legal path, formally publishing a proposal to change the rule. They had to then open it up to public commentary periods, draft legal, economic, and scientific justification papers for the rule, and then perform complex technical analyses of the impacts of the new rule on highway safety, on air quality, and on consumer behavior. Trump administration began that rollback of Obama's auto pollution rule the first few days that Donald Trump took office. And it finally took effect last spring. And the same timetable could await Mr. Biden if he seeks to reinstate the Obama-era rules. Richard Rivez is a professor of environmental law at New York University. He was on the Biden shortlist to run the EPA. He says, quote, It's a laborious, time-consuming process. No one doubts the EPA's authority to put these regulations on auto pollution back in place, but they can't just make the Trump rules go away by executive order. They have to follow the same process, preparing all the scientific and economic analyses, and you have to get all of that right. Revez noted that while the Obama administration had performed such analyses a decade ago, when it first put the auto pollution rule in place, so much has changed then, including our economy, the auto industry, and the amount of carbon dioxide currently in the atmosphere. Biden's EPA staff will need to re-evaluate and conduct all of that work again with present-day data. After four years in which the staff and the budget of the EPA has been reduced, the agency is now being asked to do much more with far fewer resources. Hey, fear not, EPA. With the stroke of his mighty pen, Joe Biden could triple, quadruple, quintuple the size of your budget and your agency and hire more and more and more people on the government payroll. Rivez said, They want to do a lot, but they can't do it all at the same time. EPA has suffered the loss of a lot of senior staff. They will need to prioritize, so they may not get to some of these until the end of a first term. You mean an only term, right? Michael Gerard's the director of the Sabine Center for Climate Change Law at the Columbia Law School. He said it could take even longer for the EPA to restore the Waters of the United States rule which was designed to protect streams and wetlands and bayous and smaller water systems, which flow into larger bodies of water, such as lakes and rivers and oceans. Trump administration replaced the Waters of the United States rule last year, and that new rule stripped away some protections of wetlands and smaller water bodies. Replacing the water rule will take a very long time, Gerard said. And they won't want to rescind the Trump rule while they're working on a new rule, because then the waterways would be left with no protection. 
Be careful what you wish for, Gropey Joe. The revolt of Mr. and Miss America might be just around the corner if your regulations cause gasoline prices to go to four, five, six, seven dollars a gallon. Remember, it was extremely high under the Barack Hussein Obama and gropey Joe Biden administration. And gasoline prices went to historic lows under your president, Donald J. Trump. Remember that. I told you so. That is the truth. As of this day, January 22nd, 2021, fuel prices have edged upward since the inauguration. Gasoline and diesel prices here in South Louisiana near Studio 63 have risen almost 20 cents per gallon in the last 10 days. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And Gropey Joe does what Gropey Joe wants to do with your tax money. And he's going to expect you to pay more and more and more in taxes. His third wave of executive actions planned for today, Friday, include increased food stamps and pushing the U.S. Treasury to pass out those stimulus checks quicker, faster, and more in a hurry. He's planning a new wave of executive actions today to bolster food aid to people struggling with hunger amid the coronavirus pandemic and to push for more comprehensive delivery of stimulus checks. Let me stop for just a moment here. I understand. Sometimes you lose your job. You get on unemployment. It may not be quite enough to provide you with all the nice things you had while you were working. The unemployment compensation that you receive is designed to help you get by. Certainly not to get ahead. Because if there's no incentive for you to go back to work, then your ass will stay home on the unemployment rolls. And because of some of these regulations and rules being proposed by Gropey Joe, it will be more profitable for people to stay home and not work than it will be to go to work. If you give unemployment to someone and then you add a $400 a week bonus to that unemployment, and then you increase their ability to get more and more and more from the food stamp program, the WIC program, the Food for Families program, and allow them to get on this government program and that government program and the next government program, what incentive do they have to go look for a job? Someone has to pay the tab, and it usually ends up being your host, Steve Z, and you who listen to this program who are indeed hardworking, tax-paying citizens. These actions are far lower in scope than the $1.9 trillion relief package that Biden has proposed for later this month. But these actions, including some executive orders like increasing the amount of food stamp money for the so-called hungry, well, they can happen like right away, quick, fast, and in a hurry. According to multiple news outlets, in a briefing yesterday, Brian Deese, Biden's economic advisor, said, the American people can't afford to wait, and so many are hanging by a thread. They need help. Some of the measures Biden is planning, based on reports 
on the Washington Post, NPR, and CNBC include, quote, to tell the Agriculture Department, which administers the food stamps program, to increase benefits available to families who are normally reliant on school meals by 15%. Okay, let me stop for a minute. You should never be reliant on school meals. We were poor growing up. Mom made us a sandwich and sent us to school, and that was that. But so many people think that they're entitled to a free hot breakfast and a free hot lunch and a free after-school meal. But that's how they do it. That's how they eat. And the moms, well, they run out and they cash those food stamps in for money. They sell their food stamp benefits to others. Or they go, I'll go grocery shopping for you, baby. You give me your grocery list and I'll buy it. And then you can just pay me, let's say, 50%. They're making cash on the food stamp benefits. Biden will also expand access to the Enhanced SNAP program, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, lifting food stamps of the poorest people by 15%. Mo' money, mo' money, mo' money. He can tell the Treasury Department to speed up the delivery of stimulus checks to those who are eligible but not received them yet. He also wants a new round of checks, and he's got to get Congress to help him with that project. He will also act to shield workers from losing their federal benefits if they turn down a job because it would increase their risk of getting COVID-19. Stop! Let me repeat that one for you, folks. Biden is going to take action to, quote, shield workers from losing their federal benefits if they turn down a job because it would increase their chance of getting COVID-19. Well, if you're sitting home on your couch, sucking off the government's tits, not working, of course any job you apply to will increase your odds of getting the Kung Flu China Wuhan virus. What are you, some kind of idiot? And yet you and I, loyal listeners to the Truth Hurts program, people with conservative mindsets and common sense thinking. We're dumb enough to get up every morning and continue to go to our jobs and expose ourselves to the potential of getting the COVID so that we can pay taxes to pay for all of these programs your new resident, Gropey Joe, has proposed. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Joe Biden is hiring about 4,000 political staffers to work in his administration. 4,000. In fact, according to Instinct and Metro Weekly, another LGBTQRSTUV gay, homosexual, transgender, queer, whatever you want to call it, politician has been tapped to work on the upper end of Joe Biden's administration. He and his team have announced that Gautam Raghavan, an Indian, dot, not feather, will be joining the administration as the deputy director of the Office of Presidential Personnel. In this new made-up position, Raghavan will be in charge of recruiting and vetting over 4,000 new 
federal government workers to work on Joe Biden's staff. No, his staff, not his staff. Sorry. According to Metro Weekly, this is the perfect position for Gautam Raghavan. He used to work as the LGBTQRST and Asian American liaison for the Obama administration, and he was an advisor to the Biden Foundation before he became the chief of staff for Representative Pramila Jayapal, a Democrat of Washington State. Gautam's appointment demonstrates the president-elect's long-term commitment to building an administration that is reflective of America. He believes in a diverse administration that will best serve the president and our nation and will ensure appointing qualified LGBTQRST people, people of color, and women at every level of government, and that that remains a priority for the next four years. Gautam also understands that our community is not monolithic and that queers of all races, sexual orientations, and gender identities must be part of the new administration. Vice President Kamel Toe Harris expressed her joy at working with Raghavan and other announced appointees. Kamel Toe said in a statement, Our country is grappling with a pandemic, an economic crisis, a long overdue reckoning on racial justice, and a climate crisis. To meet these challenges, we need a team that represents the very best of our nation. The public servants have the knowledge and experience to help us deliver on our commitment to build our country back better. And I look forward to working with them to usher in a brighter future for all Americans. I know she doesn't actually talk that way, but I have to differentiate during this program so you don't think it's me making such inane, idiotic statements. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. I told you on this program time and time again that one point in time the Democrats will begin to eat their own. Amid a flurry of first-day orders and executive actions, Gropey Joe's administration showed the door to a top-ranking lawyer at a labor agency meant to guard against unfair labor practices for private sector workers. The administration fired the National Labor Relations Board's general counsel, a guy named Peter Robb, because he refused to resign. This according to Bloomberg Law. But why would one lawyer's presence matter so much at a time when Biden is facing a surging COVID-19 pandemic, a mass vaccination effort, stiff economic headwinds, and the aftermath of a made-up siege of the U.S. Capitol? The answer, many observers say, lies in the power of the general counsel's role and Biden's focus on organized labor. You know, unions. It could also mean new prospects for college athletes, rideshare drivers, graduate students, and others seeking organized union protections. Union leaders hail the action. AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka said in a statement, Rob's removal is the first step in giving workers a fair shot again. Rob's firing is supposedly the critical first step in restoring a National Labor Relations Board that understands the purpose of the National Labor Relations Act is to encourage collective bargaining, you know, strikes, 
and prevent the abuse of corporate power. You know, letting the inmates run the asylum. Members of the business community struck an opposite tone, of course. They're saying Rob's departure was at odds with long-standing practices of both Democrat and Republican administrations, and it sets a concerning precedent that could apply to other independent agencies. It will be disruptive to the NLRB's operation and will likely be subject to legal challenge. Business leaders say they hope the decision is reconsidered. Rob started a four-year term in November of 2017. He was no longer the general counsel as of 5 p.m. Wednesday, according to NLRB spokesman. Deputy General Counsel Alice Stock was the acting general counsel on Thursday. But later Thursday, the spokesman said in the White House they advised that Stock was no longer employed as deputy general counsel, effective at 5 p.m., and referred all further comment to the White House. Ooh, they're going to have to get the teleprompter cranked up there so Gropey Joe can explain this one if the media has the balls to ask him. Stock says she declined the new administration's request that she resign, according to a letter obtained by MarketWatch. She and Rob had planned to serve out the term to its November 2021 finish. This would have been the normal, traditional, and legal course, Stock wrote. But then came Rob's abrupt and unceremonious removal from office. Rob couldn't be reached for comment. And a White House spokesman did not respond to a request for comment. But I thought it was going to be a transparent administration, Mr. Biden. Here's why one personnel move will have broader significance, especially at a time when union membership keeps declining while the pandemic puts working conditions front and center in the mainstream slimeball media. The NLRB is an independent federal agency. That means it is a safeguard against unfair labor practices from both employers and from unions. The agency exists to ensure workers can collectively bargain if it's their choice. There are five slots on the NLRB board. Only five. Okay. Members decide unfair labor practice cases after administrative law judges hear them first. One seat, of course, is currently vacant. Biden said on Wednesday that Lauren McFerrin, an Obama-era appointee, will chair the board. There's also the general counsel who was appointed by the president, and that role functions as the prosecutor, pressing unfair labor cases before the board. The general counsel has a great deal of authority on the allegations that come before the board to be decided on. General counsel's office has a lot of sway in the rulemaking process. And since Gropey Joe is so pro-union, even though he walked into union shops and insulted union workers, they still managed to vote for him some kind of way, which I still don't understand. Remember, he walked into that one union uh, meeting. Guy asked him a question about taking his guns away, and Biden challenged the guy to go out back and whip his ass or something. Ridiculous. Only thing Joe Biden beats is likely little Joe Biden. Union critics note that Rob's career included work in the early 1980s air traffic controller strike. Unionized air traffic controllers walked off the job in 1981, putting millions and millions of air passengers, airline passengers that is, 
in direct danger of immediate and imminent death. President Ronald Reagan ended up firing most of them. Rob worked the unfair labor practice cases against the air traffic controllers after Reagan fired them, according to the AFL-CIO. So of course unions want Rob out of there. And they figured out a way to do it. They let Gropey Joe, by whispering in his ear, You need to get rid of this guy, Rob. He is against our union plans. You are getting sleepy. Sleepy. Now sign it. In most cases, a president's administration will allow the general counsel to serve the remainder of their term. But they do have the ability, as we have now seen, to fire the general counsel for obvious political reasons, for obvious pandering reasons to the unions, for obvious Democrat reasons. This man has been on the board through Reagan, through Bush, through Clinton, through Bush, through Obama, but Biden was told to get rid of him, so he did. Representative Virginia Fox, a Republican from North Carolina, scorched Biden for the dismissal, saying, quote, Continuous calls for unity and civil discourse upon taking his oath of office are already proving to be empty aspirations. The ranking Republican in the Education and Labor Committee said, the outrageous ultimatum to Rob was a reward to big labor. She's right. Fox urged Biden to pull back this, quote, ill-advised and divisive action against a Senate-confirmed official and allow General Counsel Rob to finish the job he was appointed to do independently and free from political influence, unquote. When running for president, Biden was clear in his support for organized labor. Even his campaign website said, quote, there's a war on organizing, collecting, bargaining, unions, and workers, unquote. Union membership has been on a decades-long slide to the point that only 10% of all working Americans were in a union in 2019. On a practical level, Rob's removal could be seen as a green light for college athletes to get money and unionize and organize and strike against their college and universities if they don't get what they want. We're just not going to play. Rideshare drivers like Uber and Lyft. Food delivery services like Uber Eats and Waiter. Graduate students could also band together to find support at the board now that it has politically drastically leaned to the left. One of Mr. Robb's first acts was pulling back guidance that college football players could be considered, quote, employees, unquote, under the National Labor Relations Act. This according to a 2017 analysis of lawyers at Jackson Lewis, a national firm representing management. At a broader level, Robb's removal signals that the Biden administration is taking restoring workers' rights seriously and restoring the right to be represented by a union. One clown who supports the measure said, It shows the new administration understands the actual purpose of the NLRB and the NLRA and the agency will be staffed with people who fulfill the purpose. Well, sure. 
Watch more and more and more strikes occur under Biden than were ever even considered under Trump or Bush. We don't like this, we're going on strike. We don't like that, we're going on strike. Oh, it's going to be a fun four years, boys and girls. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And to add to the ridiculousness of the Gropey Joe and Camel Toe administration, according to an article in Newsweek, Joe Biden has allegedly removed Donald Trump's Diet Coke button from the Oval Office. According to an article in Newsweek, and yes, they actually took time to write this article, someone named Saren Morris at Newsweek says, President Joe Biden has removed Donald Trump's supposed Diet Coke button as part of changes he made to the Oval Office. In addition to removing all of the Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, and Space Force flags from the Oval Office, showing support for the military as Commander-in-Chief, Joe Biden slapped them all in the face and removed the flags of our armed services from the Oval Office. He also has removed a red button that was on the desk, which was supposed to alert a butler to bring Trump a Diet Coke. Some Twitter users are shocked and angry that Biden had the button removed, while others are shocked and angry that the Diet Coke button may have even existed in the first place. According to this article, Trump's love for Diet Coke has been well documented, as is the rumor that he had as many as 12 Diet Cokes every day. The rumor that the button on his desk was used to summon the soda was news and points of irritation for many. In an Associated Press report about memorable moments from Trump's first year in office, a reporter named Julie Pace discussed how she saw the Magic Diet Coke button in action. She described how when he pressed the button, a White House butler walked in with a single glass of Diet Coke on a silver tray for the Commander-in-Chief. Now, with Biden in office, the Diet Coke button is no more. This was pointed out by Tom Newton Dunn, a so-called journalist, who said, quote, President Biden has removed the Diet Coke button. When Tim Shipman and I interviewed Donald Trump in 2019, we became fascinated by what the little red button did. Eventually, Trump pressed it, and a butler swiftly brought in a Diet Coke on a silver platter. It's gone now. Twitter users were quick to joke about the Diet Coke button, like Emmy Bingston, who imagined how the conversation telling Biden about the button would have gone. I would have paid so much money to be in the room for the conversation that I would imagine went like... Biden. Okay, what's next, y'all? Staffer. Setting up the oval, sir. Photos are all done. Do you want to keep the Diet Coke button? Biden. The what? Staffer. The Diet Coke button. Biden. What in the name is a Diet Coke button? Bingston followed up her tweet saying, Although I'm honestly surprised he didn't want to turn it into an ice cream button. <laughs> a Twitter user named Emily Nussbaum seemed surprised that the Coke button was removed. She says, I very much want a Diet Coke button. It's the only part of being president that seems appealing. Other Twitter users feigned shock to hear that Trump even had a Diet Coke button in the first place. At Shoop Dahoop 25 said, quote, 
Family Guy wasn't joking about the Diet Coke button, were they? The Family Guy referenced the cartoon of Seth MacFarlane, and it referenced the Diet Coke button in a 2019 episode called Trump Guy, which sees four butlers bringing in four cans of soda while Trump is fighting Peter Griffin. Twitter user at Harpy Bones summed up how a lot of people seem to feel with a confused woman meme saying, Biden has removed the Diet Coke button? All of us? There was a Diet Coke button? Listen, folks, he either had a Diet Coke button or he could pick up his phone and say, I need a Diet Coke. There's nothing at all wrong with it. I understand that the great legendary John F. Kennedy rang a bell when he wanted a soda. They will find any reason in the world to bash Donald Trump. And since they can't get him on any substantive, real, actual crimes, they've stooped, the media that is, they've stooped to this low level of bashing a button on the President of the United States desk. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Well, that's going to wrap up this morning's edition of the Truth Hurts program for your Friday, January 22nd, 2021. Go out there, everybody. Make it a great day and have yourself a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time. Hello, crackers. Yo, white bread. Have you ever wanted to play the race card, but your skin is just too light? Is your hair too straight or too blonde? Do you have blue eyes? Is your nose pointy? You don't obviously have what it takes to be able to play the race card. Until now, new from Game Card Industry Syndicate is a full deck of 54 race cards that you can play anytime, any place that you want to. Four sets of 13 individual suits of cards plus two jokers that can be used in any situation where your white privilege is creating a scene. The deck includes 13 solid black cards, 13 dark brown cards, 13 light brown cards, and 13 Asian cards, complete with oriental numerals. There's also two jokers. One shows the face of Al Sharptongue and the other, Jesse. Jack's son. Your complete set of race cards is not available in stores, so you have to act now before this offer is censored by the mainstream media and social media platforms. Now even the fairest-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, freckle-faced conservative Caucasian can play the race card. To order, call toll-free 1-855-BIG-CHIP. That's 1-855-BIG-CHIP. Like the chip on the shoulders of those who don't want you to be able to play the race card. Operators are standing by. Ask now how you can add a deck of LGBTQ cards for use anytime you need a gay pass. Well, hi and howdy, everyone. This here is the Colonel. You know which colonel. I can't say my full name on account of I don't want to get sued. But it's me, y'all. The guy who's been licking my fingers over fried chicken since 1952. Well, by now, y'all have all heard the rumors, and guess what? They're true. Starting now, we're no longer able to call our chicken finger-licking good. One group said it was offensive in an era of the Kung Fu Wuhan flu. 
and nobody should be a licking anything right now. Such a shame. There's nothing quite like licking a finger. After licking a leg, I always say. <laughs> then another group says we're just plain racist for promoting fried chicken in general in the year 2020. Hell, we might as well close up shop. Lock up our 11 spices and our herbs. Quit plucking, quit a frying. Hell, everything else is shutting down, so why not us? <laughs> anyway, this here's the Colonel saying bye-bye to all our fans. It's been real, it's been fun, but you know what? Lately, it ain't been real fun. Now go take your coin shortage elsewhere. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hopefully, we have provided you with engaging, enlightening, and educational information that will allow you to make informed decisions. I know you may not necessarily agree with everything I say, and that's okay in America. The right to express your opinion is guaranteed in the First Amendment to the Constitution. Just as I respect your right to your opinion, I expect you to respect my right to my opinion. And that's how it works. If you like what you hear, spread the word. If you don't like what you hear, you can either turn it off, or you could listen a little longer and maybe learn something. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2020 Steve Knight Productions. All rights reserved. We'll see you next time. <laughs>